today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. God miraculously, supernaturally delivered the city of Jerusalem. In their minds, hey, God, God did this miraculous thing to deliver the city of Jerusalem before. Why didn't he do it again this time? Why didn't he do it with the Babylonians? Why didn't he wipe out the Babylonians in the same way? And so it, it created uh, just a theological crisis for them in their understanding of God. Lamentations. It doesn't exactly stir up emotions of excitement for most of us. There's a good reason for that. This book offers us reflections of a very real and present aspect of life in a fallen world, separated from God, struggling with doubts and sorrow when God doesn't seem to come through in the way you had hoped is not new. In today's message, Pastor Dan will begin our journey through this book that offers us a glimpse of Israel's heart as they dealt with disappointment and doubt. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Lamentations, chapter 1, for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Jeremiah really is is the record of the death of the nation of Judah. Lamentations is the record of the funeral of the nation. Uh, It's here in in Lamentations uh, that Jeremiah laments over what has happened to Jerusalem. Uh, Lamentations is essentially five dirges. It's, It's five very, very sad songs. Uh, over five chapters, as Jeremiah views the, the, the aftermath of the destruction of the city of Jerusalem, possibly from that cave, as he's watched what has happened to the city and he's surveying all of the destruction, he, he laments, he, he, he sings these dirges uh, about the city. Uh, Lamentations is, is a very short book. It's only 154 verses in all five chapters, as I said. So we'll, we'll only be in Lamentations for, you know, three or four weeks or something like that. Um, in the Hebrew Bible, the title of this book is actually the first word of the book. How? How? Uh, and, and often in the Hebrew Bible, the titles of the books are just the first word of, of the book. Here, the name of Lamentations in the Hebrew Bible is how. And that, that has a certain connotation to it, doesn't it? How? I mean, that's, that's the question you ask when you receive uh, devastating news about a tragic event. How? How did that happen? And that, that's the tone of, of the book. How? How did this happen? That's the theme, uh, the underlying theme. It's, it's a lament over the destruction of Jerusalem. Uh, today, Lamentations is read in synagogues all over the world on, on a particular day, on the ninth of Av in the Hebrew calendar, which is their fifth month. It's, it's a day of fasting. It's a day of mourning. And they read the whole book of Lamentations as, as part of a commemoration 
of the uh, destruction of the city of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple uh, in 586 BC at the hands of the Babylonians. Now, the structure of lamentations, let's talk about that for just a minute. Uh, the, the structure of lamentations is, is very interesting in the Hebrew, which it was originally written in Hebrew. You don't really see it in the English translation that we have, but, but in the Hebrew, uh, this book is written in an acrostic, and it's an acrostic using the Hebrew alphabet. Each verse in each chapter begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and it's, and it's, the, you know, it's consecutive Hebrew letters going through the chapter. Uh, there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. If you look at chapter 1, there's 22 verses in chapter 1. And so each verse begins with a consecutive Hebrew letter. So A, B, C, D, and R, you know, an English kind of thing. Uh, if you look at chapter 2, chapter 2 is also 22 verses. Again, each verse begins uh, with a word using the consecutive Hebrew letters. You get to chapter 3. Chapter 3 is 66 verses, which is 22 times 3. Uh, and notice in chapter 3 in your Bible, uh, the verses are grouped in groups of three. So in chapter 3, the first three verses each begin with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Then the second three verses begin with the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet and so on. So it follows that same pattern. Chapter 4, if you look at chapter 4, that's 22 verses again. So it goes back to that original pattern. The first word of each verse begins with a consecutive Hebrew letter. And then finally, chapter 5 has 22 verses, but chapter 5 is not an acrostic. Uh, it, it breaks the pattern. It breaks the pattern of this, uh, you know, using the Hebrew alphabet in order with each verse. Uh, it's believed that the pattern is broken in chapter 5, the final chapter, uh, to symbolize the destruction of Jerusalem. There's been all of this order and all of this structure that's established by God. And then chapter 5, symbolically, all of that's undone. And ev everything is, is destroyed. Now, why did Jeremiah use this acrostic uh, of the Hebrew alphabet? Uh, it's believed he used these acrostics in each chapter to show kind of the totality of his grief for Jerusalem. Uh, if you were to write out your grief about something, and maybe if you use the English alphabet, you know, A to Z, kind of writing out a word for each letter describing how you feel. Uh, that's, that's kind of what he does here, expressing his grief for the destruction of Jerusalem. So that's kind of an introduction uh, to the book of Lamentations. Let me say that the destruction of Jerusalem uh, and the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, it created a theological crisis for many of the Jewish people when it happened. Uh, it, it created this, this crisis for them for a couple reasons. First of all, um, if you remember in their history, God supernaturally protected the city of Jerusalem in their past history. And so because of that, the people in Jeremiah's day, they were convinced that God would do it again, that God would protect Jerusalem and protect the, the temple, that nothing would happen 
to the city of Jerusalem because God in the past protected the city. And so they believed that God would do it again despite their unfaithfulness to God. They, they didn't think, you know, or they didn't think that their unfaithfulness mattered to God. They, they thought their sin and rebellion didn't matter. Uh, they thought it didn't affect their relationship with God. It didn't affect God's blessing and God's protection upon them. That, that they could kind of live how they wanted to live. And God would still bless them and God would still protect them. And so they're shocked when the city falls to the Babylonians. They're shocked when the temple is destroyed. Uh, in, in their minds, you know, God miraculously delivered Jerusalem from the Assyrians a hundred years before. Remember how God sent an angel into the camp of the Assyrians and in one night the angel killed 185,000 Assyrian troops just outside the walls of Jerusalem and God miraculously, supernaturally delivered the city of Jerusalem. In their minds, hey, God, God did this miraculous thing to deliver the city of Jerusalem before... Why didn't he do it again this time? Why didn't he do it with the Babylonians? Why didn't he wipe out the Babylonians in the same way? And so it, it created uh, just a theological crisis for them and their understanding of God uh, in, in 70 AD. So New Testament times, 70 AD, when the Romans destroyed Jerusalem once again, uh, thousands of Jews wrongly believed that the Messiah would come and deliver the city of Jerusalem, and deliver the temple. And so thousands of Jews, as the Romans were around the city, thousands of Jews just went into the courts of the temple and waited for the Messiah to come and rescue them. And when the Romans entered the city, they burned the temple. And those, those people perished in the temple. Uh, in fact, there's a famous quote from uh, Titus Vespasian, the, the, the commander of the Roman army, that when he entered the city and he saw the carnage in the city, he is quoted as saying, may the God of the Hebrews not hold this against me. Uh, because there were so many people that perished in the city, in particular in, in the temple itself, because they wrongly thought, well, God's just going to deliver us. The Messiah is going to come. Well, they crucified the Messiah 40 years before. And so it, it, it created, you know, this, this theological confusion uh, for them. You know, God's people are subject to God's judgment when they are no longer faithful to God. God's people are subject to God's judgment when they are no longer faithful to God. And that's, that's one of the lessons we learn uh, from Jeremiah. This also created a crisis for the Jewish people, for some of the Jewish people, not all of the Jewish people, uh, because the Jews believed God's temple would just never be destroyed. That God's temple would never be destroyed. They, they treated the temple as a good luck charm. As long as the temple, you know, he's, he's never going to destroy the temple. And so we're safe. And so the temple was kind of like their security, their good luck charm, or their lucky rabbit's foot. You know, as long as that temple is standing, they thought we're okay. As long as they continue to keep the religious rituals and practices at the temple, they thought we're okay. God's not going to allow anything to happen to us because we have this temple and we keep the ritual sacrifices. 
Pastor Dan will have more to share from today's Ring of Truth study in just a moment. But right now, we'd like to invite you to worship with us this Sunday morning. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you a little more. I heard recently that many people who listen to Christian radio are not part of a local church. Hey, if that's you, I'd like for you to join us this weekend as our guest at Calvary Chapel located in Columbia, Maryland. The teachings you've enjoyed here on Ring of Truth are from messages I've shared with the congregation at Calvary Chapel. We have two meeting times on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. You can find out more and get directions at our website, calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Now let's get back to today's message on Ring of Truth. Remember what Isaiah said, they honor me with their mouths, but their hearts are far from me. Right? It was just religious routine for them. Their hearts were not committed to God. Their hearts were not for God. You know, Jesus said the Father is seeking people to worship him in spirit and in truth. God wants true spiritual worship from the heart. He doesn't want empty religion. That's what they had. And they, and they thought because of that, and because we've got this building, you know, this temple, and because we're going through these religious routines and we're keeping those, uh, well, then nothing's going to happen to us. We're, we're insulated and we're immune. Uh, turn with me over to uh, Jeremiah chapter 7. And God addresses this uh, in Jeremiah 7. Jeremiah 7, it says in verse 1, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house, in the temple. Stand in the gate of the temple and proclaim there this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of Yahweh. All you of Judah who enter in at these gates to worship the Lord. It's believed that this took place during one of the great feasts where there would be the largest crowds there at the temple God tells Jeremiah to stand in the gate of the temple and declare the word of the Lord to those that were coming into the temple to worship in the temple. So try, I mean, try to imagine this. This is like somebody standing out in front of our building in the parking lot warning you as you're coming into the building here to worship. Nobody was out there, right? You guys tell me if there ever is somebody out there in the parking lot doing that. Look at verse 3. Thus says the Lord of hosts. So this is what Jeremiah is announcing to all of the people, the crowds, as they're going into the temple. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings. And I will cause you to dwell in this place. Do not trust in these lying words saying the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. See, see, they were trusting in the fact that they had the temple. And that nothing's going to happen to them because we've got the temple. And the Lord says, those are lying words. They're wrong. He says, for if you thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the stranger, the fatherless and the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place or walk after other gods to your hurt, they were doing all of these things. He's calling them to repent. Then I will cause you to dwell in this place, in the land that I gave your fathers forever and ever. Behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, and walk after other gods whom you do not know? Do you understand? They're doing all these things, but they're still going to the temple. They're still keeping the religious rituals. 
and the feast, but it's all, it's all external. It's not a matter of the heart. It's, they're not genuinely seeking after God and loving God with all of their heart. It's just religious routine for them. And they have all of these other sins happening in their life that they're engaged in, but they're still going to church. They're faithful churchgoers. They're walking after other gods. He says, will you, verse 9, will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, and walk after other gods whom you do not know, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, we are delivered to all these abominations. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of thieves in your eyes? Remember, Jesus quoted that in the Gospels. Behold, I, even I, have seen it, says the Lord. God says, I see what you're doing. I see your hypocrisy. I see how you're, you're double-minded toward me. And then he says in verse 12, But go now to my place which was in Shiloh, or Shiloah, where I set my name at the first, and see what I did to it because of the wickedness of my people Israel. And now because you have done all these works, says the Lord, and I spoke to you rising up early and speaking, but you did not hear. And I called you, but you did not answer. Therefore, I will do to the house which is called by my name in which you trust. They're trusting in that building being there. And to this place, which I gave to you and your fathers, as I have done to Shiloh or Shiloah. And I will cast you out of my sight as I have cast out all your brethren, the whole posterity of Ephraim, the northern kingdom. He says, go, go to Shiloh. Now, the tabernacle, when they first came into the promised land, the tabernacle sat at Shiloh for over 400 years. Uh, but when they turned away from the Lord there at Shiloh, well, well then God destroyed it. He, and he said, go to Shiloh. Go see what I did to Shiloh. You think I won't destroy this house? Because of your, your rebellion and your wickedness and your sin, go look and see what I did at Shiloh. I'll do to you what I did at Shiloh. I'm going to take this house away from you if you don't turn from your wicked ways. Again, they, they trusted in a place, a building, rather than their relationship with God. And they believed God will never destroy his temple. They miscalculated. So now go back to Lamentations. So when the Babylonians come into the city, there, there's a certain number of the Jewish people that think, well, well, God will protect our city, just like he protected it in the past. And God would never allow anything to happen to his temple. And we're safe because we've got the temple and this is Jerusalem. And he's not going to permit this. And so when the Babylonians came into Jerusalem and burned the city and burned the temple to the ground, it shattered the faith of a lot of Jews. It was confusing to them. They, they, they couldn't make sense of it. It was, it was devastating. They thought that God abandoned them. Now, we know from the book of Jeremiah that God warned them repeatedly that this would happen if they refused to repent. And what Lamentations does, uh, one of the things that Lamentations does is Lamentations sets the record straight. Lamentations is going to give us a right biblical perspective of what happened in Jerusalem, and why it happened. So, verse 1. How lonely sits the city that was full of people. How like a widow is she, who was great among the nations. The princes among the provinces have become a slave. Again, Jeremiah is 
writing about the city of Jerusalem after its destruction at the hands of the Babylonians. Jerusalem, before its destruction, it's described in the Bible as the perfection of beauty and the joy of the whole earth. Psalm 48 says Jerusalem is high and magnificent and the whole earth rejoices to see it. Now Jerusalem lies deserted. It's empty. Lonely sits the city that was once full of people. It's, it's completely empty. This, this city that was once full of people, now there's nobody here. You know, what Jeremiah saw in the city of Jerusalem has also happened in many churches and many denominations, sadly. These churches that were once full of life, you know, and, and dynamic and full of the Holy Spirit, full of people, people that loved Jesus, people that were excited for Jesus, and then they lost their way, and they're, they're just these big, empty churches now. At some point in the past, when they were built, they were filled with people, probably multiple services on a Sunday morning. Now they're empty, and they're for sale. And they're going to be purchased and repurposed and turned into restaurants or shops or apartments or mosques. They're empty. These, these, they were once filled with people, just as Jerusalem once was, and now they just sit empty. Jerusalem was once a... Uh, great among the nations, he says here in verse 1. It was a world-class city. She had once ruled nations such as Moab and Edom under King David and King Solomon. Now she's reduced to the status of a slave. Verse 2 says she, she weeps bitterly in the night. Her tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. When it talks about her lovers here, it's a reference to the nations that Judah looked to for help instead of looking to Yahweh, their God, for help. They, they look to Egypt to help them. They look to Egypt to protect them. They look to other nations to come to their rescue instead of calling upon the name of their God. And now he, he says here, all your lovers have left you. They've abandoned you. They provide no, no comfort. They've turned against you. You're alone. Judah, verse 3, has gone into captivity under affliction and hard servitude. She dwells among the nations, meaning the pagan nations. She finds no rest. All her persecutors overtake her in dire straits. She has gone into captivity. Judah has gone into captivity. She dwells among pagan nations now. She finds no rest. She was in dire straits. That means extreme distress. All her persecutors overtake her in dire straits. In extreme distress, her persecutors overtake her. And the, the phrase dire straits here, it has the idea of, of no way out. There's nowhere for them to turn. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truth. That's all we have time for today on Ring of Truth. Thanks for joining us as we learn from the book of Lamentations together. This book can be complex, but the writer was very clear when he wrote that the Lord is faithful even in the midst of trials and tribulations. Put your hope in the living God, and He will meet you where you're at. If you'd like to hear this message again or more teachings from Pastor Dan, 
we invite you to visit our website, calvaryec.com. There you'll have access to our library of previous messages, available to listen to online or download to take with you on the go. That website again is calvaryec.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Each time we post a new teaching, you'll get a notification and be able to listen right away. We'd like to take a moment to ask you to partner with us as we continue to build this ministry. God is using programs like Ring of Truth to share the message of the gospel through a virtual mission field. Now, more than ever, people are being reached through radio and online teachings. We're so glad we can be a part of it, and we're eager to see where God will take us next. Would you join us in seeking God's will for this ministry? We know God listens to the prayers of His people, and we appreciate you partnering with us in this way. Thanks for joining us today. In our next edition, Pastor Dan will continue teaching verse by verse through the Book of Lamentations, right here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the